everybody. Legs Malone here. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Lunch with Legs. Happy 2014, everybody. I hope you are all doing well and are enjoying the beautiful vibes and fresh energy of the new year. I, for one, am super excited about this year. I chose, instead of making resolutions this year, making evolutions. And I would like to invite you to do the same. How do how are you wanting to change? What are you wanting to shift in this new year? I know for one, resolutions tend to be tied with the word failure. And uh, so I'm not interested in tapping into that. I am much more interested in tapping into what do I want to create this year? And uh, I hope you guys are doing the same. I have to say, this year has started off in an incredibly positive and beautiful way, thanks to an as-of-right-now anonymous donor. I'm going to give the donor the code word BUNNY to refer to uh, the donor. Um, Bunny very kindly gave us a huge donation, which has covered all of our uh, equipment and software and all of our expenses to date. Um, and so I want to give her, I'm assuming it is a her, uh, a huge shout out for that. And also to the one and only John Ross. That's just what I'm going to say for also giving a donation uh, for an earlier uh, episode. I just want to acknowledge and thank both of you guys for supporting quasi live entertainment. I mean, I guess it's live at the time of recording, but truly, guys, thank you so much. And especially to Bunny, you know who you are. I got you in my sights, and I am so, so, so grateful. And I am ready and willing to do a commercial for you. But again, you can contact me. You know our email. <laughs> but I uh, I hope that 2014 has also greeted everyone with meeting your needs, getting everything you need, uh, and getting all of your satisfactions in place one after another. I was, well, I am very excited to bring this week's episode to you, but we had a slight uh, audio hiccup. I guess you could say, and our wonderful software did a little bit of a, I don't know what to call it, I don't know, shot the bed, <laughs> I don't know how else to put that, but uh, unfortunately, uh, while we were interviewing this week's guest, the software cut out about halfway through, so unfortunately, you are going to miss about 40 minutes of a very colorful interview, but I have a feeling the 20 or so minutes that did get uh, recorded and that you are going to be hearing right now are so colorful, they may give you more than enough time <laughs> and uh, things to think about, shall we say. So... Without further ado, I want to welcome you guys to hearing the first 20 or so odd minutes of a great interview with the one and only Bastard Keith. Bastard Keith is a personality in the burlesque world. He is a frequent burlesque host, uh, and he's known to do an act every now and again, but you can find him on stages all over New York City and in Brooklyn, especially at the Floating Cabaret in, uh, or I'm sorry, Floating Cabaret, even though it's spelled K-A-B-A-R-E-T-T-E, -T -T -E, uh, in Brooklyn, in the Dumbo neighborhood, every week. And he is a man of many talents. He is a wordsmith. He 
definitely has one of the most colorful vocabularies and quickest minds that I know of. And this man is chock full of opinions and plenty of dirty words, which I have to say he is not going to waste any time getting into them. I have marked this episode as explicit with good reason. So if anybody is tuning in at work or around any sensitively eared people, I highly recommend the use of headphones. Unless, of course, you want to educate those around you in unexpected and very colorful ways. I'm just going to keep saying that word, colorful. <laughs> but uh, so I do hope you enjoy this so far. We're just going to have to have him back on here and uh, talk about everything that unfortunately did not make it onto the recording and so much more. So pull up a chair, get comfortable, fix yourself a cup of joe or something a bit stronger. And ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Lunch with Legs podcast, the one and only Bastard Keith. Lunch with Legs. Bastard Keith. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It is such a pleasure to have you on the Lunch with Legs podcast. How are you today? I'm good. I am. Um, I am recovering from the effects of, of terrible insomnia. <laughs> oh, I uh, no. I woke up not long before receiving a text saying, "Are we gonna <laughs> see you today?" Because I fell asleep at 7 a.m. last night, and then I woke up and I was like, "Oh, how refreshing!" Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> It's all good. Is it a day? I need to do a thing. <laughs> and here I am. Thank God this isn't Fresh live. as a goddamn daisy. Thank God this isn't live. <laughs> well, that's that's why, you know, we are all creatures of the night as performers. Yes. And it's important to uh, schedule interviews for sensible times, like a, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, like right after I woke up. I'm a nocturnal Nelly. <laughs> Well, I'm, I, I know for a fact that uh, as we're recording this, you are going to be our first podcast episode of 2014. That's a huge honor Which and a is... horrible mistake. <laughs> They're well, going to we're be... starting off 2014 in style. Okay, good. good. Yeah, just so you all know, I'm, I'm wearing a wonderful suit and yes. a crisply pressed shirt. And a fancy bespangled tie. And his breath smells like violets. It does smell like violets. <laughs> I literally wake up every morning and eat violets <laughs> to freshen my mouth. Which already happens to smell like roses. That's exactly right. I'm sure. Yes. How, um, I have to say, in, uh, we are recording this on, what is this, January 3rd? January 2nd. My January God, it's 2nd. only the second day of the new year. Jesus yeah. Christ, I'm already ahead of myself. Um, so ready for 2015. <laughs> treating you so far sir well given that it's been about 36 hours like pretty good you know <laughs> like i don't it's it's been good uh, uh new year's eve was was spectacular and you rang in the new year at uh, galapagos at art space galapagos art space where we um dumbo yeah when i i host the, the floating cabaret there every week uh and well, we did this huge, spectacular show, and it was all sort of run on a rail because we needed to get it to a. Um, we needed to, we needed to get to midnight by a certain time. Like, of course, by of midnight. Course. But you know, but we had to we had to time the show so we didn't run over. And then for the sort of final coup de gras, uh, the uh, the sound the, the sound and light guy uh, Chris Anton, who's a brilliant, who's awesome. He's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. He planned an homage to that music video with Kanye and, and Kim Kardashian. Where at midnight, 
the curtain opened and there I was on a big yellow Ducati. Oh my god! With my I saw a picture of that online. That is. Oh my, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, no, but like, the, we were on this Ducati, and there were screens behind us with like all these locales. It was me and Rosebud, uh, a brilliant burlesque artist who's also my wife, and uh, we were sat there, and Chris, like, you know, half an hour before the show was like, you want to do like these parody lyrics for the song? And I was like, I have no fucking idea what this song is, because I don't listen, I don't, I catch up with music like a year or two later, because I don't listen to the radio at all. I didn't... The way some people listen to the radio, I watch movies, mm -hmm. and so, like, for me, contemporary pop is impossible to keep up with. I have just no mechanism for it, and I have no... I have no interest, you know? Agreed. Agreed. So, I mean, but, but I, I do like Kanye a lot. I actually think he's got real fucking talent. I think he's, you know, I think he's brilliant, and I also think he's... He's sort of the closest thing to a Mick Jagger that we have right now. Hmm. Well, because he's one of the last of the real rock stars. You know, people get in his ass about being arrogant or blah, 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 blah. And, of course, I always worry because whenever people use the word arrogant when it comes to a, a black celebrity, that to me sounds a little bit like code. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that there's plenty of white rock stars who have been as ridiculous as Kanye West. And we tend to think Absolutely. of them as, you know, we tend to think of them like, well, you know, uh, Plant and Page from Led Zepp and uh, Pete Townsend or, you know, Mick Jagger, these people who made big, sweeping, ridiculous pronouncements. And honestly, I, I really enjoy that we got someone like Kanye around. So, but so like, I, but I, I like him, but I've, I've always caught up with his music a year or two later. So Chris plays me the song, and I'm like, this sounds nice. I'm not going to learn it right now, <laughs> like a half an hour before the show. But uh, but yeah, we rang it in, and there was a lot of making out. God, there was just so much making out. Was on stage, it, off stage, everywhere. It was it was uh, it was on stage and off stage. There was one young woman who was just so outrageously fetching, and I said, "Well, God, where's your date?" And she said, "I don't have one." I said, "Well, let's get on this. <laughs> let's, let's remedy this." Amazing. Yeah. So you're you're actually doing your patriotic duty. I was doing my patriotic duty, <laughs> and the thing was, it turns out she works in entertainment, and so and I and like in like a kind of for a major media company. Oh my god. And in like a fairly high level position, so I was like, oh shit, you could buy and sell me. <laughs> Like, on the one hand, I'm glad I didn't bomb, but on the other, I was like, <laughs> I could portend well for 2014. It could portend making well. Making out with major media outlets yeah, no, one I've, at a time. I've, I've probably said too much. <laughs> I have no gauge for TMI anymore. Well, I have to say that, that, that is one of the reasons I have I have invited you Thank on you. to a, today's episode, because you are a man, mm. I mean, you're one of the most colorful individuals I've ever met, period. Um, and you are, you are rich with opinion. And <laughs> I, it, it, but it is a, it is a true wealth. If opinions were dollars. <laughs> you would be a goddamn gabillionaire. Yes, I would. <laughs> Which is bigger than a billionaire. Yeah, I I have a lot of I I frequently get in trouble for being opinionated. Uh, but I would say you do have fast remainders for for the times where people do choose to spar with you. Mm -hmm. I just wish them luck because they rarely <laughs> win. You have one of the fastest and funniest minds I know. I mean, it, it, in Thank that you. whenever we work together, it's just it's always such a pleasure to hear you. Either joust, spar, or coddle the audience in 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 no particular order. It's perfect. I mean, it's fantastic because you never we as performers and audience members never know 
quite what's going to come out of your mouth. <laughs> and I mean that in a really good way. Well, it used to be a bit more dangerous because, you know, I, I think when, when most artists are young, they have a very abrasive phase that they go through. Mm hmm where, you know, you want to confront the audience, you know, fucking show them the truth, you know? <laughs> and it's nonsense, because, uh, well, there's no particular virtue in abrasion for abrasion's sake, and I, and mm. I think I used to, uh, I used to go for shock a lot more and confrontation a lot more, and what I realized was, I, eventually, I'm able to, I'm able to do things that are a lot more, I'm able to slip more controversial material in by being more coddling, mm. you know, like slipping in queer positive and like, you know, uh, anti-patriarchy sentiments and anti-white privilege sentiments. I'm able to do that with like a spoonful of sugar. Mm -hmm. And I used to have no sugar. <laughs> so now I'm <laughs> now I've learned to I'm, and I'm sure there are people who don't hire me because I I, I do get overtly political. Mm hmm. And I'm sure that's cost me a few gigs, and that's fine. Uh, but it's it's been a really wonderful process learning how to learning how to get an audience into a position where they're receptive. You know, like getting to a point where the audience is sitting there and laughing while I'm graphically describing <laughs> fucking the mouth of some conservative Republican <laughs> member of the audience. You know. Which often gets more than very loud cheers. I mean... Well, yeah, but you want it, You don't want it to just be an easy knee-jerk thing where people are like, yeah, fuck those guys. Because I'm... A, I mean, we have... I have had extraordinarily conservative audience members. And, uh... I mean, I remember there were, like... Back in the slip room in the old days, you had a very mixed audience. And I remember one dude yelled at some homophobic heckles about a performer. And people still... Some guys still do boo when they find out there's going to be a boy lesker in the show. And that's the point where I think it's very, very important to enlist the sympathies of the right-thinking members of the audience mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, and go into some graphically descriptive conversation about gay sex. The perfect antidote, really. It is. It absolutely is. <laughs> you know, just describing my glistening cock sliding out of his supple, willing mouth. <laughs> Leaving a thin string of pre-cum betwixt <laughs> cock and lip, which bursts in the moonlight, spatters fetchingly upon his chest. And I have to say, it, it makes me very thankful that you had such a Shakespearean education to so beautifully inform your invectives. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm about half caveman inarticulate and half, you know, drunken Irish poet. Yeah. That's about right. Mm. Um, and I have to say, your Twitter feed, mm -hmm. as a result, is one of the most deeply satisfying and thoroughly entertaining Thank you. Twitter feeds that I, I read. Thank you. Um, especially on nights uh, when you are at Galapagos. Oh, yes, because I solicit sexy tweets from the audience because I, you know, I have a little competition to give away a free drink, and uh, I, I ask them to send me their... Uh, their filthiest, most disgusting sexual fantasies. Actually, hold on. Let me see if I can. Oh, yeah, by all means. And if, if anybody mm -hmm. uh, wants to tune in to Bastard Keith's, uh, you can. Well, it's basically every Saturday night, East Coast time, starting at 10.30 p.m. and ending around 1 a.m. Yeah. That's the length of the show. At so Galapagos Art Space down in Dumbo. If you guys want to tune in on Twitter, uh, what is your Twitter handle? It's at Bastard Keith? It's Bastard Keith. B-A-S-T-A-R-D-K-E-I-T-H. I mean, like, the tweets, I only really retweet after the show. But, you know, okay. every so often I, uh, you know, 
engage. I'll engage during. I like tweeting. It's it's kind of perfect for me. Oh wait, here we go. Here we go. Here's a couple of them. Um, oh yeah, this was quite good. This was from someone. I'm not going to give the name, uh, but it's out there. I I want to rip your dick off and stick it up your ass like a butt plug and fuck you in your new vagina. You know I'm. That's Whoa. like, but that's really dope that my audience members feel like they can say that to me, you know. And the same guy said, "I'm going to take you to your childhood bedroom and shove your cum sock into your dad's butt. Your taint hairs will thank me." Oh. Um, did he win a free drink? He did he because that was good. super good. And the thing was, he, he wasn't there. He didn't claim it. I can't tell if he like he didn't he didn't admit that it was him. Oh my god! So I gave it to this lovely woman in the audience who, you know, was a little bit embarrassed uh, to write a very vividly filthy tweet. Oh, my God. The, it's, it's incredible the things we'll post, the, pe- the things people will post on Twitter. In front of ostensibly billions of people, because it, you know, these are not locked accounts. <laughs> you know? Ah, uh, Twitter. And I've, I mean, I've had, there have been mishaps, because, you know, there was one woman who was a professional real estate broker, and I think she posted some stuff on her, <gasps> on her professional account. No. Well, she took it down, and she was like, fine. But then there was also an, an incident where, uh, we all had a good laugh about it, but there was an incident where no one laughed, where a, a bachelorette had posted some truly atrocious invective uh, on oh Twitter. My God. And it was wonderful. It was so funny. And, you know... It was like her spewing vulgarity and sucking on you know those penis straws that bachelorette parties drink through. Mm-hmm. Like I actually, I think <laughs> you're standard. I yes. think you can't get a marriage license unless <laughs> you show up with like a dick straw that was used in your bachelorette it party. Was used to drink a pina colada. <laughs> yeah, a penis, a penis colada. A penis colada. Oh, um, Jesus. <laughs> but you know, she contacted Galapagos because I retweet all my favorites. And she contacted Galapagos in a, a frenzy, <gasps> saying, you know, he has to take it down. He has to delete those tweets. And the thing is, she did, I don't think she understood how Twitter worked, because once you, de- once you delete the tweet, it's, no lo- it's gone. It's no longer on my account. But she was like, I think she assumed that, you know, it's kind of like that whole myth that people think, you know, oh, you're stealing a part of my soul when you take a picture of me. She thought that if... If I retweeted it, part of her I was stealing a part of her Twitter and of her virtue. Oh, my God. And so she was like, and I got like 10 phone calls that day, um, basically trying to sort the thing out. And I was like, you realize that it's not there. It's no longer there because she deleted it. Oh and they were like, yeah, but she's really flipping out. And I was like, yeah, she needs to not. Jesus Because Christ. everything's she fine. She needs to take a breath and realize <clears throat> technology. Yes. Uh, Period. <laughs> a lot of people, I'd say like... Of the people who send really, really good tweets, maybe a quarter of them delete them afterwards. Wow. And so what I do is I just copy the text and put redacted where the name is, because some of them are just too good to to lose to the ether. To, <laughs> to lose into the ether of yes. the interwebs. Yes. My God. Well, yeah, no, people listening, please follow Bastard Keith on Twitter. You will not be sorry, or you'll be sorry, and that's okay, too. Some of them, some people are very <laughs> sorry. I got a tweet... <laughs> I got a tweet from a dude recently. I made some joke where basically, you know how George Zimmerman, he he didn't get charged after the domestic violence thing recently? And like, he's just a piece of shit. He's human scum. I think he is a horrific human being. Agreed. Uh, and I basically posted on Twitter some joke where I said, uh, 
George Zimmerman would literally have to go on live television, shoot someone in the face, and yell, I did it, I did it, me, 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 in order to get charged. <laughs> because it's like the guy's fucking fireproof. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. And so I got a tweet from this dude who said, you know, hey, man, uh, less politics, more dick jokes, you know, for the fans. And oh, was, my God. And I was like, oh, shit, I've made it. <laughs> <laughs> I finally have a public that is telling me what to do. And I said, you know, man, I, like half my stuff here is political. So I'm sure there's like plenty of people who do like exclusively dick jokes that you could follow. And he was like, wow, way to alienate a fan. And he hashtagged it showbiz 101, which I loved. Wow. It was, it was so fucking awesome having this dude be like, let me just break it down to you. Oh let me explain. God. You know, and so... And so I tweeted about that, and then he fucking tweeted me again. He was like, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep following you. Oh! <laughs> like, there was a, I saw the light, but... There was a reconciliation, and it was really nice. But it was like... <laughs> but it was so funny. He kept... He, I, he sent a few tweets, all of them hashtagged for the fans. For the fans, for the fans. For the fans. Oh, my which God. Is, I, I kind of love that, though. Like, Hashtag I... I want fans. I want a relationship with the audience. You know, and you I, have one. And, like, I get... Sometimes I'll do Q&As on Twitter where I'll just, like, just say, ask me anything you want. And literally, I mean, anything. Wow. Like, I, don't, I will not... I will not ignore a single question if someone sends it to me uh, during a Q&A. Wow. So, like, you know... But that's a good way of keeping you honest, you know? Like, Absolutely. I think it's... A good it's, way of keeping your followers honest, too. They're like, oh, well, now I'm seeing well, all there's, the best Well, there's people. a conversation, and I feel like, you know... Even on a fairly low-level show business like ours, because we are still niche, you know, it's it's vitally fucking important to keep up a relationship with the crowd, because I think burlesque can get so insular mm -hmm. and clickish, you know, and we mm -hmm. and we frequently forget uh, we frequently forget who we're doing it for. Yeah, you know, obviously, look, I mean, on an artistic level, artists are doing it for the art. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's huge it's important we should never forget that we also should remember that there's another participant in every performance and it's these people who are sitting out there yeah. you know and um, a lot of the communication and conversation of the burlesque community online is very insular and mm -hmm. very uh, cut off from this notion of a conversation with the audience and some of that's with good reason I admit I, I have a certain privilege with, uh, with that because I'm a guy and I don't have people being like, dur her, nice tits, or you've gotten fatter, blah, blah, blah. You know, all that horrible shit that people say. Ugh. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm completely separate from that. But I do think there is a large portion of the audience who are excited just to, like, be part of the conversation with us. Absolutely. And, and you never know who's sitting in the audience. Exactly. I mean, people who might be interested, like, if they work in other arts and they're interested in be like, oh, hey, this burlesque act has a really interesting application for a party that I'm doing. Or something. True. I mean, for, for the purpose of, like, wider exposure of the art form of burlesque. Well, sure. I mean, but that's, even that's the business part of show business. Yeah. But I think the show part of show business involves that dialogue with them. Absolutely. Because, I mean... It's considering how low budget we are and considering how niche we are, it's fucking absurd that we don't have... It's absurd that Hollywood and the music industry are ahead of us when it comes to social media, like, public relations. They got the dollars. <clears throat> yeah, but, I, but it doesn't cost anything to start a Twitter account. It doesn't, it doesn't cost true. anything to... It doesn't cost anything to, to, to respond to fans, mm -hmm. you know, and... 
I mean, there's a flip side to that. Because we're so low budget and because we're so niche, we're a lot more vulnerable. And uh, conversely, we can also do whatever the fuck we want. We can do whatever the fuck we want. But we're also, but I think particularly uh, female and, and uh, you know, and female-bodied performers, uh, they can be very fucking vulnerable to creeps. Yeah. You know, and so I totally, and given the number of creeps out there, the number of misogynist assholes who comment and, uh, and send relentless fan, you know, quote-unquote fan letters, uh, you know, it's, I get it. I do want to. I I would love to see a more effective and less insular uh, social media mechanism for burlesque. Mm. You know, but like I said, I'm coming at it from the position of like a cisgendered hetero white dude, and so I'm obviously I'm not as directly affected by some of the worst parts of that exchange. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this could be me talking completely out of my beautiful ass. <laughs> And what a beautiful ass it is. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, yes, on all of those fronts. You may have to edit that down. There was a lot of um, uh, and, and repeated words there. That's fine. It's fine. It's all going in. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, baby, we like it raw. Oh, good. <laughs> Thanks, old dirty. <laughs> oh, R.I.P. Yeah, um, that got somber. <laughs> wah, wah. Yeah. But actually, it's the perfect moment. I actually want to talk about the origins of Bastard Keith and how... Because you... You you're an actor. I mean, at the mm -hmm. at, before you got into burlesque, before you found out about it, you are a classically trained actor. <laughs> yes, correct. Yes, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Why is it ridiculous? Well, it's ridiculous that it, well, I mean, because I I still work as an actor and I still yes. do gigs as an actor, but th the skill set that I learned is much more frequently employed in service of burlesque. God bless it. Than anything else, it, it's it's fucking stupid. I well I <laughs> I went to theater school in the UK. You were in Bristol? The Bristol Old Vic, yes. Mm -hmm. And this was before it partnered uh, with the University of West England. And so it was, at that point, a completely privatized uh, conservatory. And wow. so basically they took uh, 13 people a year for their three-year program and I think 20 people a year for the two-year program. Wow. And I got into the, the three-year program. And so for the three-year program, you're basically – the first year is – just relentless study from 8.45 to 7, five days a week. Jesus. And then uh, the second year is touring. You know, we toured around with the Nativity, in which I played Joseph. And I had a wonderful bit with a pantomime donkey named Dobbin. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, I really lobbied hard for the part of Jesus, but I was a bit old. <laughs> it was, but I say age ain't nothing but a number. But the manger, with the manger, was not made for six. A man of six three, uh, but of which you are, of which I am. And then we toured with Hiawatha, which, looking back, I mean, it was a bunch of fucking British white kids playing Native Americans. But we weren't. I mean, like, basically, it's it's one of those it's one of those things. I think over in England, appropriation is still an oddly uncomfortable part of the conversation. Uh, but yeah, we toured with Nativity and then Hiawatha. And then we toured with Charles Dickens' Hard Times, which was a three-hour adaptation. We toured with that for six weeks. Wow. And it was... That's huge. Well, it was 13 actors and two techies, a set that weighed literally a couple of tons, and 50 lighting fixtures. And so we would get up at six in the morning, get to the theater we were going to, and uh, set up until about six in the evening. So, you know, because the set and the lights took a lot of placing and calibration we'd have dinner for an hour 
And then we would do the show, which was three hours. And then the breakdown of the set was an hour and a half. Sweet Jesus. So we'd be getting done around 12.30 and then going to some, you know, farmhouse where we were going to be staying in the Cotswolds or whatever, you know, or in Cornwall. And there you have it, folks. The end of our interview for now. My wonderful producer, Dave, was just heartbroken about this, and I'm bummed too, but I hope that we can have Bastard Keith back so he can fill you in on everything that you're not able to hear, including his encyclopedic knowledge and great love of, of all things Asian cinema, Buddha Thunk, uh, as well as politics, everything from cultural appropriation to white privilege to Obama to Congress to all sorts of things. We really, I have to say, we ran amok with regards to subjects. Uh, And again, I am sorry that you're not able to hear it this time, but we're just going to have to have him back so you guys can feast your ears on his rich opinions. But to keep abreast of all things Bastard Keith, I highly recommend if you are on Twitter, follow him immediately at Bastard Keith. You can also find him online, uh, bastardkeith.com, and on his blog, Bastard Peace Theater which is hilarious, for lack of a better term. Um, I highly, highly recommend all of his, uh, again, colorful opinions. This is a word that is going to keep surfacing because I, for some reason, am missing a thesaurus and cannot find another word to describe him. (laughs) But by all means, please check him out for yourself. You can go see him at the Floating Cabaret. You can see him at the Sophisticates. Uh, Log on to broadwayworld.com right now and vote for the Sophisticates to win a major award that uh, several other Broadway shows are up for. If you go to broadwayworld.com, you can find all of that out. And uh, yeah, if you see him... Tell him that uh, you listen to the show. Tell him what you think. (laughs) I do love him. He's a good friend of mine, and uh, I am sorry again that it got cut off, but hey, we're just going to have to have him back. So, ladies and gentlemen, I wish you a beautiful week. I cannot wait to bring you our next slew of interviews, which are imminent. Again, I am doing my best to post every single Monday with the intrepid help of my wonderful producer, Dave Bird. And uh, we both wish you guys a fantastic continuation of the new year. May you have the courage to see your dreams through. May you have the inspiration and the full permission to pursue doggedly everything that you want to come to fruition in this year. Dare it, dream it, make it happen. I love you guys. I can't wait to present to you our next guest next week. And uh, yeah, I'll see you all real soon. Have a beautiful week. Lots of love.